Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Wednesday, November 29, 2023, and this is episode 149 of the show. Today, I'm doing something new. I'm actually rerunning a classic show. Not just any show either. It's the first time I have Ross Aiken on from that fantastic podcast, Stop, Let's Team Up. Ross has been on the show more than any other guest, and I've often said that forever to have a co-host on the show permanently, Ross would be that guy. He syncs up pretty well with me, and I like his distinctive perspective and insights. He always comes to the show fully prepared, and I'm always looking forward to our next taping. The reason for this classic showing is it coming out at the same time as my 150th episode, and I managed to work it out on my end so that Ross is the guest. Like all diehard fans, I like how comics make a big deal out of those special numbers. And as we were talking about for that show... You're going to have to check out the next show, 150, to check it out and see what we're actually talking about. Ross was one of my first guests, and his first appearance was in episode 18 back in March of 2022. We talked about the Silver Age, Brave and the Bold 61, which featured Starman and Black Canary. I hope you listen and like this rebroadcast of the show. Please look at the show notes for a link to Ross's podcast and all things Ross. Like his this show... His show is mostly bite-sized, around 20 minutes or even less. If you've never checked it out, please do. It's always fantastic. Listen. If you're new to this podcast, thanks for checking it out. I hope you continue to sample the show. Please look at those show notes, follow the podcast on social media, and subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. I want the podcast to continue to grow, and as I said so many, many times, I want to introduce fans to a different way of discovering and reading fantastic comic books. Now on to today's show. Hello and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years and have never lost my passion for comic books, something I try to pass on to old and new readers. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Fantastic Fan Comic Podcast for March the 3rd, 2022. This week, there's no trivia question. Instead, I have my first guest, which is Ross Aitken, who also does his own podcast called the Stop Let's Team Up Podcast. Today, we are talking about those Starman Black Canary team-ups from the Silver Age and Brave and the Bull. This is before Batman took the lead over. Unfortunately, DC's not done a very good job of archiving some of their older stuff so Brave and the Bold 61 is actually reprinted in Justice League of America number 116. Without much more to say, I'm going to hand this off and enjoy the podcast. You can find the link to the YouTube video and also Ross's podcast himself in the show notes. Hope you enjoy it. Looking forward to your comments. Fantastic comic fan, all one word, at gmail.com. All right, so 
One, two. Today, I'd like to welcome Ross Aiken of the Gallifrey's Most Wanted podcast as the guest for a fantastic fan podcast. So, Ross, uh, why don't we start off with how you got into comics growing up? I am the fifth of six children. I have two older brothers. We're like in the middle, and we were driving across country in 1972, and I wouldn't leave my biggest brother, Hugh, alone, so he gave me a couple comic books to shut me up. And what were those that he gave you to shut up? Do you remember? The ones I remember is my first comic books are Avengers 105 by Roy Thomas and John Buscema, and I think the Legion one was later, but it's Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes 197 uh, with the return of Timberwolf with the amazing Dave Cockrum. It's right when he was redesigning all the costumes. So the perfect time to join Legion. I would agree with you on that. So <laughs> what, what, what do you do today in comic books? What are you into? What are you doing? Um... I'm a, I, like most people have downsized. I mean, I used to have like a 50,000 comic collection, but I've downsized to the bare minimum. So I'm basically following my touchstone comics, the Avengers, Legion, um, uh, Justice League. But I also do some new indie stuff. I'm really a big fan of Firepower from Image and um, um, Family Tree, which is done. Uh which is an amazing image comic with Phil Hester art. Um, okay. But I'm delving into some of them. And I, I jump, basically, I'm rereading. I'm more of a rereader. I do um, a lot of rereading also. Yeah, I, I mean, I have, I have the apps. I do the digital. I have some, you know, I have my volumes of the, my Touchstone comics, like the you know, Legion stuff, Justice Society, anything Justice Society, and anything Starman. Gotcha. I just started rereading the original Fantastic Four run from number one. I think I'm up to like 22, 23, and I can't tell you how many times I've reread that over and over again. I have never so. read the first hundred issues. I feel like a bad fan. <sighs> that yeah. is blast. Oh, I can't believe you. I, that's no. not the you in public. That's terrible. <laughs> I know. I came in uh, on the Thomas, um, John Buscema stuff. Like the first FFs I read, the lineup was... Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, Human Torch, and Medusa. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good run. Yeah. yeah, but it's not the original. I can't believe you never read it. No, right, I am so. a bad fan. I've never gone back and read it. I keep thinking about doing it. I had the essential volumes, those black and whites. Actually, it's a really good run. I actually, I've actually enjoyed reading it, and um, I'll probably read it at least through about 100, and I don't know. I've only read the 100 to like 200, like once maybe. And, uh, well, actually, like, from about 175 to 200, I probably read four or five times. That's when I really got the Fantastic Four. So, all right. What would you like to talk about today on the podcast? Well, we, we mentioned this in, um, because I am a Starman fan. Um, we talked about um, what I think is one of those amazing Silver Age comics. Um, hold on a second. Make sure I got this right. I sometimes forget that the Brave and the Bold 61, where the Starman and Black Canary team up. There are two of these issues, 61 and 62. Now, really, uh, 61 is the only one for some reason in the digital copy. And you yeah, by the it's, Justice League. it's weird. There are two of them. Why don't you just put them both in? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but it's you know, Gardner um, Fox and Murphy Anderson. Was and it Brave and the Bold, right? Brave and the Bold 61, yeah. yeah. It's, it's you, Gardner. you would think DC would archive more of those Brave and the Bolds, but they just don't seem to, to do it. 
Oh, so, and this is an era Brave also, and the before it became the Batman book, and it is so good. Yeah, and it's where they did a lot of golden age, uh, bringing back the the Justice Society members and giving them little tryouts. Spectre and Wildcat were in a couple of episodes. Doc Fade, Hour Man. Yes, yes, Martin yes. Fox, and Murphy Anderson, and Hour Man mm-hmm. was you know he didn't have a long run in Golden Age. He's no, more, he didn't. But he has the best costume. You know, such he a good does. costume. I would agree. Um, you um, know. This is also the first um, modern age or silver age appearance of the mist. So yeah, yeah. I I think it's a touchstone for me because my brother bought had these. He, we bought them in this comic shop, and we re- both reread it. And he goes, he you know he was always turning me on to artists and Murphy Anderson, and it, it's it's such a solid, well written comic. Um, you know, it it is because I've gone through that that initial issue, um, and it is just the art is just stunning. You know, it's a very much a Silver Age style, but each, in my opinion, each era has its own uniqueness, its own pluses. And this is just some beautifully done art. I, I really yeah. like it. It's so detailed. And Murphy Anderson is just, he could do everything also. But a lot of them, though, could do a lot of stuff back then. They just become underrated. You know, yeah, I don't, we people don't remember him. I, I no. find that sad. Um, I you know there and he was a great inker. I'm a huge Kurt Swan fan and Swanderson, that 70s Superman is stunning. Um but I, I really like this one. I mean, and it's something that when I in later years I I would go back to when uh James Robinson was doing the modern Starman series in the nineties and early two thousands. Uh mm-hmm. th- that he kind of used these two issues as set up to deepen um Fleshing out the Starman legacy. Why do you think he chose Black Canary of all characters? I, I because at this point was she? I she was appearing she, in the crossovers yet. She was probably appearing, but maybe this was a um, a test to actually send her to Earth One. Possibly, it's rich, she went to Earth. there. Yeah, um, and she's a very different character um, in this one. Than she is now because now she's the standard superhero female, you know, female superhero, which is just so how you is, know how is Dinah back then different, you know, even before she came to Earth One and got involved with Ali. I mean, what's what's so different? Besides actually it's actually a different character because this isn't still her mother. And yeah. Not... Uh, the best analogy I have is Rosalind Russell in um his girl Friday. That's actually a good comparison. Yeah, she's that yeah. strong, independent '40s woman, because she's like that in um, the Gardner Fox Alec Toth, the end run in the Justice Society issues in All Star Squadron when it became really a team book where they they would act in unison. Okay. The the Golden Age, and this is really a more fleshing. Fox is fleshing her out a little bit more, I think. That when she's Diana Lance, and she, you know she sees her husband, she's one thing, but when she's out in the action, she's Ted's equal. Um, and that, I mean, Gardner Fox wrote Justice Society when it was just really a, a an anthology book in a way. There was a okay. you know an arc, but everybody had their own adventure with different artists. Um, but it's really you see her; she works in the florist shop, which they that's held over until well until the nineties. You're right. I forgot about that because yeah, she's um, in the, the Longbow Hunters with Green Arrow, the two of them actually open up a flower shop in Seattle, and 
Do you think they radically changed the character of Dime when they brought her from Earth 1 to Earth 2, or did you, do you think they kept the core? I think they kept the core for a, while, a long while. I'm not... Um, Grell fleshed her out, made her more Raza, made, made her like that independent. I mean, I think they kept the core. I think they did a lot of retro continuity. They always do that. Yeah. Um, a lot of but, people new to comics don't really, I mean, you look, you say Silver Age and Golden Age, and it's like you just gave them a, a, a plate of plain spinach or broccoli to eat and said, just eat this raw. Now, <laughs> Silver Age, are, well, it's true. It's like, what's Silver Age? And they look at the art and they look at the story structure and it's so different. So Silver Age comics are structured and written differently than today's comics. So how should a new fan approach reading Silver Age or those Golden Age comics? Well, I mean, they're two different. It, de it really depends. I mean, you have to look at Golden Age because it's more pulp, especially the early, like if you go all the way back to the first half of the All-Star Squad, All-Star Comics run with the Justice Society or any of those, they're very short stories. They're very pulp novel in a way. Where Silver Age, is the, it's more, I don't know how to put this. Um, the stories are more structured. Um, Silver Age DC, but they're one and done. So you're going you're gonna to get an entire episode. It's like watching 60s TV compared to now, where the story is self-contained. Right, and everything now just goes on for episode, episode, episode. Yeah, it's very Especially with the Netflix or, you know, you got ten hour stories. And until um, you get to really the 60s later end of the Silver Age going into the Bronze Age, do you have that continuity thing? Um, why don't you think, um, I know obviously Stales is one of the reasons, but it seemed like they had such potential to use the Justice Society more, but they really never did into the early, I'm sorry, the mid-70s. It's I, like I really a missed opportunity. I think it was. I think they they were... No one wanted to take them on. I mean, they used them every year in Justice League for what thirty some years, yeah, whatever that was. Probably. Every September, yeah, every, sep every got September got a two part one. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, you know, I remember those. Those were things that you know we we look. My brother would get look, um, but I think I think they test her. I don't think until Roy left Marvel and he said, "Just put me in charge of your Earth Two here, your Earth Two stuff, and we'll try to see and." Uh, they said, you want to do a Justice Society book? And he was like, no, nah, let me do All-Star Squadron. And, uh, he, had know, another, I, he had another idea. I thought um, when they did Crisis in 84, 85, that DC and the fans would have been better off, but they just would have kept like an Earth 1 and Earth 2. You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't mind the... I, I was, what, a teenager when it happened? Yeah, I was uh, about the same thing. Yeah, it just, and I, it didn't bug me as much as older fans. My, I, there are certain aspects of post-crisis I love. I love Wally as the Flash. I, I like the I, Wally's Flash, yes. Yeah, I did not like the Barry Flash. Carrie Bates' mm. run, really, my brother loves it, but he would try to get me to read, and I said, I just, this is, it's not me. It's not, he's just too much of a Boy Scout. There's not, you know, I don't want the gritty. I like Ollie Queen, you know, I like Green Arrow. But I, I like, did, you know, I but like, I liked Wally was... I, I could I could see myself as Wally. Okay. You know. I thought that with Earth 2, they could actually, with the JSA having an Earth 2, they could take chances that you couldn't in the regular, you know, DC universe. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You know, you, you had a Huntress 
who was to me was much more interesting than any iteration of Huntress since then. And you have poor Power Gold, who does she even have an origin anymore? I mean, you know, she just, you know, it's like oh. the characters got watered down, you know, when they yeah. lost that special uniqueness. So I think um, until, yeah, I think you're right. And I think until Goyers and Johns did a Justice Society book in the 90s and early 2000s, they almost ignored the whole, oh, we're on one earth and almost like set it symbolically onto an earth too uh, by itself because they meshed the golden age, the silver age and all those. Yeah, they made it a legacy thing. Like we're the the first superheroes. Everybody looks up to us and we're going to train the next generation. I think that's one of the, that's one of my favorite superhero book runs. Superhero team runs. It's because they got them and they got what they, what John's, especially John's did is he didn't look back to post-crisis. He looked further back for their characterization. Exactly. I mean, he looked back, he really, yeah. All the way going back to the golden age and embraced and acknowledged. Um, oh, he was he their was, histories. Yeah, he was riffing on Gardner Fox, Jerry Conway, and Lynn Wine. It reads really like there's. He definitely read the same Justice League satellite era that I read. Yes, I, people don't understand the satellite era. Um, oh my God, this was unique. It was a <laughs> unique era because before then, the Justice League had a um, headquarters in a mountain which has been repurposed many times. And then they got this really cool satellite Justice League up in the sky. And that whole, the team was pretty stable all the way through it. Yeah. And it was a good mix of young, new and old here, especially when they started adding Zatara and Firestorm. And I, I have a bunch of the, I had a a huge collections of action figures and um, I got rid of most of them. And the only things I kept were, a handful of Alex Ross Justice Society, the Johns, and my Red Tornado. And my buddy was like, oh, why are you keeping that one? That's a stupid... I went, don't you say anything about that costume. Red I, Tornado is another character they didn't... They haven't really appreciated and used its legacy as much as they should have, you know, in the last few years. Yeah, they don't. And I like. I read Young Justice, the original runner Young Justice. I thought it was a fun little kids comic. You know, it was a good all eight. It's what a comic was when I was a kid is you could read it if you were five years old or you could read it if you were 25 years old. And that's um, what makes um, the good comics. You know, it you is. Can, it doesn't matter your age group and you can read them. No. All right. Um, so Dinah's Black Canary has been around forever in so many variations. What would you consider some of the classics of Black Canary and Dinah that you would suggest people read? The satellite era of Justice League is always a good start. You know, she's really a prominent because they, they lose Wonder Woman. Yes. For a while. And, it, and she moves to the forefront. And I think that's where in Silver and Bronze Age where she really shines. She's a leader. Yeah. yeah, I like, um, she's great in the, uh, the Grell era, Green Lantern. I think she's well written there. And I think the Giffen uh, D. Matisse Justice League. <laughs> she's really fun. She's a fun character. Speaking you know. of that, which which um she's had like three or four different costumes. Which is your favorite? The old fish net? Uh, yeah. I, I still think the fish bet net and the buccaneer boots works. I the eighties one is very eighties, you um, know. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and basically, her costume nowadays is a variation on the fishnets. It's it always is a tweak. The best ones are always the ones that's a tweak on. I mean, it's Alec Toth. 
Yeah, it's Alex Toth. I mean, it's a good character design. There are there are artists, and you know, you can you can't go wrong with a Toth design costume, a Cockrum design costume, a Kirby design costume. There are people that were better at it. Um, exactly. And um, uh, I think I I think I like her more as the My Girl Friday. The you know she's I mean. She never plays second fiddle to Ollie in the Grell era. She was actually um, Ollie's equal and would, you know, tit for tat and wouldn't let the man get away with anything. Even in the Justice League run when yeah. he left the Justice League for those, you know, and she's like, you're an idiot. I'm not leaving the Justice League. And, you know, she never played, you're right, she never played second fiddle. No. Um, later, later in her history, their history, they got married. How do you think they handled that marriage overall? I, I don't do you think, think it was, was good. I, I didn't read it really. I mean, I wasn't that interested it. in it. I don't think I think her and Ollie have both lost their I was a huge Ollie fan. And I think in the re, more I I'm not I don't think they're bad. I'm just not it's not connecting to me. These more I think they've tried to fix it post fifty two. to make a them a couple bit. again. Yeah, they've kind of, you know, they're doing this thing and that we're gonna find out the end of this is a whole whatever they're doing now that everything that happened in the golden age, silver age, bronze age and modern age all happened to Superman, Batman, green arrow, anybody that was a legacy hero. Ollie even says in one issue, goes, yes, this happened. I was in a team called the seven soldiers of victories in the 1940s and there, but you're, and he goes, eh, that's just what happened. You know, that's what they're having the heroes say. Because they're doing it in those side projects, you know. That's that's all coming around. Well, uh, and I well, think they've I think they've made a correction. I think the I've read a little bit more of the more recent issues, and they're self they're correcting mistakes they've made. And they're I, put they're moving back toward well, these characters were better when they were connected. Yeah, I thought that Ali and um, Dinah were stronger, better characters when they had that connection going on between them. It should yeah. always be a team book. It is. Yes. Um, um, they complement each other so well, you know, and it goes back decades. You know, yeah, I, and it really, I really have a problem yeah. with. I have a problem when um, companies like take their legacy couples and just kind of kick them underneath the mat and just, oh, this could happen. This and it's like, but it did happen, and you know, I think lately with the Lois and Clark, you can show how. A couple in, well, even Street and Sue, where a couple can actually be a couple, still be independent without having to split, you know what I mean? Without yeah. splitting them up and causing, well, because in the Bronze Age Fantastic Four, it was always breaking up Sue, always breaking up, you know, their marriage and things. But Street and Sue are stronger together now. Yeah. Standing with Clark and Lois. And you don't need Lois to, you don't need Clark and Lois to be together. They can go off and do their own things and they do their own things. It's the same thing with, well, in the Justice League now, you have Black Canary going off and doing her thing, and Ollie, which is kind of cool, running the Justice League and also doing Checkmate, you know, but they're still together. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm catching up on that. I really, I'm a, I like the idea of Checkmate. I like Alec Believe, who's doing the art, and that Manhunter. If, if, if I'm, I would always recommend that uh, early 2000s Manhunter run. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yes. because that's, that again, a I'm a huge Justice Society fan. These legacy, and that became a huge legacy book, that she was interconnected to Iron, Mon, Iron Monroe from uh, Young All-Stars and all this neat stuff. And 
there's a thing the thing back to the thing with uh, Ollie and um Diana Diane what what is Diana <laughs> Diana sorry um that they work better as a team that you have for these books in I the thing that works best like in the Batman books there's the Batman family of heroes so you're reading this not just for Bruce but for Bruce and Robin and Damien and Jason it's very much I mean and I think some of my, like modern TV steals from these things, these aspects where like the, what I call the Whedon model where uh, in a, an adventure show and they CW use it. You, it's not, you can't do a show about the flash. You have to do a show about the flash and his family and his friends. You need yeah, an they, ense- It works better as an ensemble. Exactly. And they honor their past instead of ignoring the past. Oh things. yeah. Yeah, you really, you've got to have, you have to have a connection. Superman doesn't work without Lois and Jimmy. I also that, think he, he, doesn't, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't work with Perry, um, his his boss, Perry. He doesn't work with Ma and Pa Kent aren't in the equation either. You know, you had years where there was no Ma and Pa Kent. I, I yeah, people it makes complained the about Byrne bringing him back, and I thought it was probably the best thing he did. Yes, I would agree. That okay. Yeah. So. Okay. So, would you like to add anything else before we end this today, Ross? Uh, Any last comments on Black Canary and this whole era that we talked about? I would, folks. I would go back and just look at these. Go on the digital for whatever of the first hundred Brave and Bold's. Anything pre before it became a Batman book. It's there awesome. are some gems of stories. Good mixed use of characters. Actually, Martian Manhunter was kind of the lead every once in a while. Yes, he was. Yeah, he it would did, be him. Yeah. He did something, I think, with maybe the He's Flash, the first team up. The first team up in this in the series was him and Green Era. I did not know that. No, yeah, before that, it was more like showcase. And when they started the, and then it became a team up book with anybody. And then they just gave it to Batman. And that was an amazing run. I will always recommend Brave and Bold when it was uh, Batman and Jim Apero was doing the art. If you want so to see some. Yeah, but these so, early ones, because you're getting Swan, I mean, you're getting um, Murphy right. Anderson, you're getting Gardner Fox, and they're te- and it is a test book. I mean, it really is a test drive to see if we can give these characters their own books, I, I think. Understand. You know, Showcase right. definitely does that, but check these yeah, out. Check, yeah, check show- out Showcase, too. Early Brave and the Bold, early Showcase are joys to read. Gotcha. All right, Ross. Well, I'd like to thank you for uh, joining me today on the Fantastic Fan Podcast. And I hope you'd like to come back again and do another uh, seven or something totally different. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at FantasticComicFan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you at FantasticComicFan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.